I'm Bo Winswelly, and this morning I'm with my friend Latham Turner, a fellow writer on Substack. Latham, it's so great to have you here, man. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited and so grateful to get to talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been getting to know each other the past few months. I mean, of course, through a writing, um, but also through this group we're both members of. That's been fantastic. And I, you know, that's part of what prompted me to want to do a deeper dive with you. How long have you been writing? And, you know, what's your mission in terms of your writing here on Substack? Yeah. Um, I started writing on Substack about a year ago. I've had a couple of false starts with writing. I mean, you know, years of journals that don't actually make any sense. Um, I first started writing um, a couple of years ago. I started writing for a company. And I, and I started writing oh. as a way of developing community for my company. Um, mm -hmm. And what I found at the end of that was that I loved the writing and didn't really love the company. <laughs> um, and so about a year, a little over a year ago, I, I made the decision that I was going to just start writing full time and start writing um, less about a company and more just kind of telling my stories and, and seeing what could come of that. Um, and as we've talked about before, that's kind of led to sharing more vulnerable stories about myself, um, which has yeah. been therapy in the best way possible, I think. Um, and then what's my mission? I mean, I think that's evolved so much. When I first started writing a year ago, it was just, hey, let's see if I can do this. Mm -hmm. um, and then like a number of people I've talked to, you know, I started with this mission of, well, I've got like important ideas. This actually really, what I told a friend is, so narcissistic in the sense that I was like, <laughs> I know the answers and I need to write so everybody else can see them. Oh yeah, you do, man. Totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I do, but I mean, I, you know, <laughs> don't we all, um, and what I, what I've come to realize probably over the last couple of months is, is now I write just really because it helps me explore. It helps me think about things. Um, and it gives me kind of free reign to to get interested in something that I otherwise never would have had a reason to. Yeah. I love that. What you just said, as you were about to say the word explore, that's, that's the word that I had in mind there. You know, one of the things that uh, one of my personal mottos is that uh, adventure doesn't happen by accident, you know, that we have to go seek it. Right. Um, and um, <clears throat> I, you written something similar actually in your introduction somewhere you know and so like making a point of that exploration um however we do it uh whether it's at the keyboard or out in the wilderness somewhere or whatever else uh, i'm all for that absolutely um i also you know pick up though for sure a big uh element in your writing and in your kind of statement of purpose about men and masculinity and you know and about um speaking and writing as a man where, where what does that mean to you at this point and where do you where do you stand with that yeah um i think it's still evolving and i know you know please uh don't let me hug the whole stage i'd love to hear your answer too because i know this yeah. is very important to you um so when I started, like I said, when I started really writing personal stories, it was just to figure out who I was. And it was as I was, I had transitioned out of the military, 
transition yeah. out of birth careers um, and kind of saw all these old models, like the, the John Wayne models that I had grown up with, right? Like I grew up in the 90s as a Midwestern 90s kid around uh, John Wayne movies and kind of this old mm. story of masculinity. And I, I'd gone and lived some of that in the military and still didn't really feel like that quite fit. Um, and then um, around the time that I was really struggling with this, I, I have an eight-year-old son um, mm -hmm. and a lot of the models of what a child should be, what a boy should be, don't really apply to him. Um, we've talked a little bit about this, but um, you know, my son is is um, autistic. He's mm -hmm. on the high functioning end of the autistic spectrum, but a, a lot of the stories about what it meant mm -hmm. to be a boy just don't apply in that case. And so it found me questioning, you know, what other old stories don't apply. Um, yeah, and I think you know one of the things I found from talking to people is just either of us I think are alone in questioning this um, no not at all and uh and so I, I think I'm still figuring it out I'm trying to figure out how to raise him to be authentically himself um and I'm trying to figure out you know one of the things that um I can't remember if we've talked about this or not but one of the things that bugs me is when you talk about manhood you usually talk about like the 18 to 22 year old kind of mm. boy becoming a man Mm. Um, but I got really interested a few years ago. And what does it mean to be turning 40 and becoming mm -hmm. a man still like, yeah. becoming this elder in a society that doesn't really value elders. Um, mm. And so I think that's one of the things I'm writing a lot about is, is that transition into kind of elderhood, you know, where, where the things that matter more should be more about wisdom than how much can I lift or how, you know, how much can I persevere? Um, mm -hmm. But to, uh after having rambled for a little bit, tell me more about kind of your, where you are on this. You're, you've been writing about this for longer than I have, I think. I know a lot of guys that feel like they didn't really become who they are or become even a man in their own, you know, conception of it until their forties, you know, or just like, didn't really feel like a full person, you could say in another way. Right. I mean, I, I certainly kind of feel that way myself. Um, in terms of my writing, I mean, I started writing on Subsec um, not quite a year and a half ago um, and um, started writing three or four years ago um, as a very, um, well, it would finally emerged as like a clear direction for me in terms of my kind of third career and um, bring to life, um, you know, a part of myself that had been present from very early on. And it, you know, it finally kind of came time to do that. In terms of my mission here, or what I'm here to do, so to speak, in terms of my writing, um, yeah, I mean, that creative exploration, I think the, the, at the lowest level, it's, um, you know, I'm here to tell the truth, um, my own experience. And, you know, that's like a, very much a way to seek adventure intentionally, um, uh, move towards the fear, you know, for, and whatever else is unknown. Um, and I do feel, yeah, a, a powerful component of that is like speaking my, or putting my voice out there just as a man. I mean, in no other way, other than just by, you know, sharing my experience, the truth of my experience. Um, and I, 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 I feel that's important, um, you know, always, but perhaps especially today, whatever. And I, I, I also feel to encourage, you know, other men to do that. I think that's kind of more than anything else 
not, not that we don't need lots of other things, so to speak, in culture or whatever, but like more than anything else, that's what we need is just more, you know, voices. Um, and it's been fascinating for me to get to know all sorts of other men over the past, you know, many years, but several years. And then now as writers, guys that I wouldn't, you know, have come into contact with. You know, I'd never knew about anybody in the military, for example, um, until I met, well, who's now my one of my very, very close friends, uh, Roddy, who I think you've had a little bit of contact yep. with as fellow pilots. You know, so anyway, yeah, writing, adventure, exploration, truth, and yes, also like the voices of men, um, all, all important to me. One of the things I admire so much about the work you've done uh, or the writing you've done around masculinity is it's very like it's very research based without necessarily relying on the research. Like I love at the end mm. of most books, you're like, here's 50 other places you can go, whether you agree or disagree with me on that. How yeah. much do you like how mm. much of that is your own personal like going past the research? And how much of that is is like relying on research or looking for new research? I mean, how much do you think mm. uh own story mm -hmm. versus research comes into your own storytelling yeah it's a it's a it's a good question thanks um i mean i love to read and um learn and like follow you know threads and make connections um and you know building that kind of web of of knowledge and ideas has always been interesting to me and and i think it is to most people and I, I wouldn't call myself like a research-based writer so much as, yeah, read a lot and incorporate, you know, what I read and what I've learned into my thinking. And then that just kind of naturally happens in terms of those connections, you know, that arise. I'm definitely not like as sort of, I, I'm not trying to make scientific arguments or like comprehensive arguments. You know, I, I think that's kind of impossible anyway. There's just too much information out there. And like, who am I to try to, you know, prove something conclusively. Besides, we're talking about sociology and ideas anyway, right? It's all it's all kind of fuzzy. So, but yeah, I mean, there's, I, I like to draw upon what's out there. And I, and, and I guess I would just say lastly, um, that, um, you know, I think we all need our own philosophy. Like some sort of, ground or basis or structure for how we live not that we have to have like a list of rules that governs every move but like some shit to refer to and you know that's all philosophy used to mean or you know means and the things that i've learned you know for myself that i've absorbed that that have that like have had an impact for me have like a I've had a big impact. They're they're important, so I think that's part of what I'm weaving in there too. How, what about you? I mean, are you a big reader? I'm a very big reader. I mean, you can kind of see the two bookshelves that are only <laughs> yeah, uh, that's only what's been read. I have so many books on the floor and in other rooms and everything else. Um, my wife used to joke that I've the only reason Amazon Books is still in business. Um, yeah. I love to read. I think you know. Reading can be sometimes a distraction for me. Like I'll keep reading well beyond um, sure. what I've learned just because I, I find it enjoyable. Um, and sometimes it like, 
I think I have that um, I have that bent to do more research than I actually need. Also, because I've worked in some very scientific fields, and so yeah, yeah, it's fairly normal. Um, but I don't I don't find myself wanting to write like a scientist. I, I find um, you know the questions yeah. of emotion and depth and um, and life and kind of the the thing you said that really hit home is that personal philosophy. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. what I'd rather write about is building my own personal philosophy. Um, yeah. And so I try my best to, I'll try my best to research when I don't understand something and then write beyond that mm-hmm. understanding. Um, it's not always- Yeah, easy. like that. We're talking about men and, and, you know, you wrote this piece about the men's movement is dead, long live, long live the men's movement. That's kind of a perennial problem for- the men's movement so to speak because it's like there is no name for it you and like any name that comes about immediately becomes tainted you know it's like it's definitely okay these days for like men to talk about mask or for anyone to talk about masculinity or the crisis of men or boys or you know there's a bit more breathing room there (laughs) um you know i feel you know more than ever um and we just have to kind of keep like not shut up. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, who do you refer people to if they're interested in kind of learning more about, you know, what's going on with men these days? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think I'm still learning who the right reference points are. Um, and I say right, meaning like people who are really approaching this authentically and mm-hmm. um, and in earnest versus just trying to like make a make a buck or make a name for themselves. Um, I mean, I really love some of the work that every man has done. Um, I think you've seen their website or probably oh, no, I'm than I do. Um, I, I, uh, I think actually what prompted that post was I'd recently, I'd heard of Robert Bly, but I didn't really know who he was. And so oh, learning yeah. stories, um, was actually kind of one of the prompts for writing that, um, I think John Wineland is the work he's doing is incredible. Um, yeah. I've yet to be able to either afford or make the time to go through one of his seminars. But um, you know, yeah, that's great. People that I know who who I respect really speak highly of his work. I'm not, I'm sure there are so many others, but those are the ones that are kind of coming top of mind right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are some of the same reference points that I you know, have experience with myself along with many, many others. And I guess part of, you know, maybe just lastly on that topic, I mean, my, um, I just like referred to this piece of my own this morning, kind of reread and touched it up. It's like, it's kind of this meme that there's, you know, there's a real lack of male, you know, good male role models. Yeah. Partly because there are certainly some bad ones you know needless to say but i just don't get like why i mean i do get because it's kind of how media and reporting and stuff works like why focus on the bad ones you know instead of on the good and there's so little focus on the good ones and there's this persistent story about how there's just no good role (laughs) models it's like that's totally absurd actually and it negates the you know the great work that a lot of people are doing. What are you working on right now? Is there is there something that you're kind of 
interested in developing further in yourself, you know, right now as a man, you know, something that's kind of current and present for you? Yeah. I mean, I think fatherhood's always a topic that uh, mm. is of importance. I, I have two kids now and they're both young enough where it feels like a struggle every day. Actually, you'll probably hear them in the background because mm. uh, one is sick and the other one has school off for the week. Yeah. Um, I, I think, um, what's the way to say this? I mean, I, I think, um, actually less than I think, I feel like I'm at the point where I'm starting to explore a more spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. um, and that feels really relevant. And um, that's that's been a challenge. I was raised as a kid in the church, but kind of rejected it pretty young. And I'm still not sure I'm ready to like, call my spirituality or my faith the same as as the church um mm -hmm. but i do think that idea of, of finding that personal philosophy mirroring it with something beyond myself and really starting to understand um what that means is very relevant right now mm -hmm. um and then I, I think um the last one i'd say is is really this this writing I mean, really just becoming a writer, becoming someone who views themselves as a writer and um, someone who's a lot more creative than I was maybe mm -hmm. in my past. Um, those feel like the biggest projects that I'm I'm working on right now. Yeah, yeah, sweet to hear that. Um, yeah, well, uh, self-expression, you know, I think that's I mean, certainly true for me too has been a big part of just becoming more of myself. And um, I, I really feel that more generally too, for, you know, for men, it's an area that, you know, we would kind of, you know, not, not usually pointed towards as much. And, what's, um, um, what's your experience with that? I mean, I know you said like writing has helped you in mm -hmm. that. Um, how has that gone and, and kind of where did you start as far as learning to express yourself much more? Um, yeah, well, uh, writing has helped a lot. I mean, where did I start? I think, honestly, it was a lot of therapy and, um, just like sitting there waiting for the therapist, you know, while they're sitting there silently, you know, to just like, okay, I guess I gotta say something, <laughs> you know, figure out how to do that. And, um, and, and that did really help me to just get past my hesitation at saying some of the things you know about myself that were true you know just some of just experiences you know that I had felt ashamed about or just didn't have the words for or, you know had never told anybody else about or whatever else um and by the time I really started to write I you know I felt compelled to like just put some of that out there um, so, well, that's what we all do as writers or artists or whatever. We're trying to transmit something of, you know, our like soul experience, um, to the world. And like, is it a form of therapy? <laughs> yes, it certainly is. Um, so, um, the short answer, that's kind of the long answer. The short answer is like that, um, writing and especially writing it down so to speak has really helped to cement my sense of self 
you know, it's like because you're putting the evidence out there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And other people are reading it. And, and that is very powerful. Very powerful. That's great. Um, I wanted to go back to your question or my question to you, just like answer it myself about like what I've been kind of conscious of or working on lately as a man, as a person. And because um, you've maybe seen some of this, I'm curious about your take. It's just like, for me, it's part of what I call the goat work. It's like this, it's confrontation is what I'm getting at is, is, or, and like, positive confrontation um i mean of course the different you know some people we just vibe with and we, we vibe with people in different ways you know some people you know i have comfort i just just feels confronting like kind of oh you know more than others and that's just true um you know there's like i want to get better at that because it's just part of reality. It's part of life. It's it's so there's got to be kind of a, there's like a quality to it. You know, it's not just something, of course, to be avoided. You know, um, you know, like I said to um, our you know mutual friend Josh in in comments one day, it was like, you know, goats. You know, they butt heads, and then you know, then they go back to eating grass, right? It's like, and that image has been. It's really stuck with me. And so I'm just wondering like what your own experience with yeah. confrontation is and like a positive confrontation. Is that something you you've you know gotten or familiar with, gotten better at? What's what's up? Yeah. Um I so like I said, I, I was born and raised in the Midwest, which is very non-confrontational in a lot yeah. of ways. But I, I grew up pretty uncomfortable with it. Um mm -hmm. One thing about uh, joining the Navy, and, and um, you know, we've talked a little bit about this, but being a naval aviator, especially, and having to sit in a ready room, is um, it's no hold bar, no holds barred, really quickly, and um, yeah, and it's in, in the best ways. Um, you know, I remember uh, a few years ago, I, I listened to an audiobook, Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life, and he mm -hmm. talks a lot about how um, his friends in the military will just talk smack to each other and make inappropriate jokes and things that seem horrible from the outside, but it's kind of a shared language. Um, and I look back and I kind of miss that like lo level of comfort with confrontation. Yeah. Um, and just with like, you know, just with telling, telling, telling it as it is. Um, you know, I spent, I spent 11 years in the Navy and, and really three of that deploying. And in those three years, Man, you better get comfortable with confrontation because otherwise you're not going to last very long. Um, right. So, or you're going to do something, you're going to make some mistake or, or something, you know, and like someone's going to say something to you, hey, buddy, that switch is in the wrong place. So you're like, oh, no, you, know, you can't tell me that or something. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. We, uh, we have to be able to tell each other the truth. We used to have one of my favorite things about the military that I think is missing in outside culture is, is we had, um, I'm forgetting what they called it. I'll expand on what the name of it in a second. But basically, anytime you made a mistake, you had to get up in front of everybody and say, I made this mistake. Here's the situation. Here's the situation. Right. It's very similar to like the M&M. So awesome. um, 
sorry, that would be my children. Um, and when I got out of the military, it's one of the things I brought into work. I was leading a, a yeah. global operations team and, and we, we used to have um, Friday fuck-ups where everybody had to get up on Friday and say, this is one thing I fucked up this week. Um, and I learned also very quickly that the way to do that, the way to get people to be honest about that is to do it myself. First. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a great practice. I love it. And I've, I've done that a lot in sports, um, in like extreme sports, like also flying, paragliding, actually. Yeah. You know, and there's a culture in that sport, which is, I think, a very much kind of like pilot culture of, you know, it's not quite as buttoned down as like, you know, you know, jet aircraft pilots have to be, but you are a pilot in command of your own, you know, aircraft. And there's no one to that's <laughs> responsible other than yourself. There's no such thing as an equipment failure. That's your failure. It's your equipment, you know? And so if something goes awry, there's, there's a culture in that sport again of like, self-reporting like let me just run down like here's what happened the other day you know and put it out there uh, which i think is so cool it's funny you talk about that so one of my first flights as the aircraft commander and, and i flew radar aircraft so big prop planes mm -hmm. um it was like a 250 million dollar airplane um and one of my first flights as the aircraft commander i just i was so amped up i forgot to do the takeoff checklist we didn't do any of it. And we take off. <laughs> awesome. Hey, did we ever do the checklist? And I was like, You're just like, here we go. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so rightfully so. I mean, he called me out on it in front of the entire ready room afterward. And not in a malicious way. He was right. like, oh, we didn't do this. Um, and, oh, man. I like, got... But the plane took off. Like... <laughs> yes. I got the wrath of God from our commander. It's scared totally. and, um, but I never made that mistake again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think the last thing I'd say is it's something that's, it's like, it's very easy to do when there's a culture of that. Like you talked about in paragliding or in flying, it's harder mm -hmm. to do one-on-one. -on -one. I still don't think I'm great at it now, even though, you know, mm -hmm. for three years, or for 11 years, really, I was immersed in that. And I lived that. And I still don't think I'm very good at conflict, even today. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm that great at it either in a personal, you know, in a personal realm on a one to one basis. I, I mean, I am, at least it's in my consciousness, you know, and I, I'm like, you know, I'm aware of it much more than I was. And I'm kind of paying some attention to it and um i'm like i know it's valuable and actually interesting and yeah. you know some of that has <clears throat> been about yeah like coming clean or expressing myself when or, you know saying hey look okay i could have done this better or like you know i felt this way then but let me i got some more to say now you know, and, um, but also it's been about like holding my, you know, standing my ground and, and, and or setting a boundary that's like, no, like I don't play that way, you know, not yeah. doing that, for example. Um, so yeah, it all feels really, 
that all feels good, you know. Um, and um, certainly groups of all sorts, whether it's, hey, military, you know, I have no experience with, but um, for a lot of people and a lot of guys, um, you know, being in some sort of a group is where you kind of get practice doing that because it's it's definitely less, maybe it's less, it's more supportive and, and less of a, just a either or, you know, when it's just two people, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really true. The group dynamic is, is I think, underrated. Um, mm. I think that, I think that we learn so many good habits in groups if we find the right groups, but, um, but it, it's not something that we kind of talk about or talk about how to bring those lessons out of the group. Mm, mm. yeah yeah it's definitely something i'm planning on writing more about um <clears throat> excuse me just experiences with different groups you know and um how that can be done you know or some intention can be put to that for sure um i can't wait to read it <laughs> yeah thanks man um well um I mean, we got all sorts of uh, uh, potential places to go here. What's what what's coming to mind for you? It's a really good question. Um, one of the ones that we had talked about at some point, um, and you've you've written a little bit about this is, um, you know, you have this relationship to the mountains. I think that's almost mm -hmm. spiritual. Um, yeah, and you, you live, if, if I remember correctly, you live on a boat, correct? I live like. <clears throat> I think my ass is probably below sea level here. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Go continue. Yes. Well, I, I'm just curious, you know, um, like what are those, how did you decide? I mean, those are two opposite extremes of places, like as high altitude as you can get and as low altitude as you can get. Why, why mountains and water and what those places do for you or what do they mean to you? Yeah, thanks, man. That's a great question. Um, brings up a lot of things. Um, <clears throat> excuse me again. Uh, spirituality, place, and the outdoors, and like the connection between also between physicality and spirituality. Um, and um, I, I mean, for one, I struggle with the tension between yeah, like wanting to be more in the mountains and. I'm from San Francisco. I grew up here. I still live here. It's my hometown, you know, and I'm I'm like more and more comfortable with that over time. And so as much as I, I mean, it's been a lifelong tension. Like I've been trying to get out of here, you know, and I have left many times and I've traveled, you know, so much. <clears throat> um, and yet it's also valuable to me to spend more time here. And so that's a, it's a real tension. I mean, uh, I find myself every time I go to the mountains, I find myself feeling like I, you know, I want to live in the mountains. I want to move here, you know, but then I come home and I'm, I'm so happy to be home too. Uh, so I don't know, I guess I wish I'd been born and, you know, <laughs> up in the mountains somewhere they wouldn't maybe have that struggle. <clears throat> um, but, you know, I've also been a lifelong, Waterman and you know sailor and um 
you know, windsurfer and a surfer and a kite surfer and a, you know, like swimmer and um, just every kind of water sport. Cause well, I, I live near the ocean and that's, you know, that's another, of course, uh, major element of uh, <clears throat> nature. And so, you know, it's all very valuable in terms of like the physical and the spiritual kind of to come back to that. Um, for me, you know, my, whether you call it sports, you know, or just being in the outdoors, that, that is like not the entirety of, let's say my spirituality, but, you know, it, it, it is definitely grounded in, in just being outdoors and being active outdoors in nature. Um, so I don't know. I hope that answers your question. Could you choose one or the other? Could you choose mountains over water or water over mountains? Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, excuse me, I've had plenty of time in the water and I'm, I'm doing that less. Um, And so, man, what's going on here? Um, so even though I live on a houseboat floating in the water right now, you can't see the water around me, but it's like, (laughs) it's right here. Um, if I don't know if I didn't have so many attachments here, I would probably live in the mountains right now. And I am planning on doing that. I, I, you know, that's in my future. Um, that said, you know, plans are just part of the picture and plans change. And so like part of my future is also, you know, going sailing for a number of years. <laughs> so which of those futures will come to pass? Hard to yeah. say. I can't remember if I told you this. I've, um, I've been trying to convince my wife for a few years now that we should buy a sailboat and just spend two years sailing around the world, throw the oh, kids yeah. and go. Um, you should. I agree. I'm not the issue here. <laughs> uh, I don't know what will happen. You know, for a long goes. time, it was limited by the fact that my, my son needed a pretty intensive therapy schedule and we didn't think we could find the supports. And he's doing really well now. So there's a possibility that it could, but I think kind of to your point, as much as I miss the water and miss sailing and miss surfing and then I grew up surfing, I, I miss being on a board. Um, mm-hmm. We found something pretty magical in the mountains too. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's part of it for me, you know, it comes back to the, the visceral power of moving. Yeah my body of the animal self you know and when i'm in the mountains um you know just hiking really um it you know it it's just more it's a it's it's very very simple but it's it it's nothing feels better really for me um, you know, for the animal and therefore for the whole animal. That's the thing. Um, 
And it's not the same if it's flat. It's not the same if it's at sea level. It's not the same if it's on a fire road as opposed to a real trail or even off the trail, you know, like you can do so much of here in the High Sierra, for example. Um, and, you know, maybe I would have that feeling if I was out, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, cr cruising the South Pacific, crossing oceans. Um, but it's not the kind of physical movement. I mean, uh, Motissier had to teach himself yoga and, you know, like do yoga every day on on deck to keep himself sane there. Um, and, you know, hey, I'm all for yoga, but it's not the same as walking in the mountains, that's for sure. Do you have, um, do you have like a favorite experience in the mountains or a favorite story? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> I mean, my favorite, what comes to mind is these experiences I've had in recent years doing longer distance trips. And what I mean by long distance is like medium distance because there are lots of people who actually do long distance, just like, you know, there are people who surf actually big waves and, you know, um, I'm not even a medium wave surfer, but, um, but by long distance, I mean, for me, like, you know, a hundred miles, 150 miles, like over the course of a couple of weeks, that kind of thing, um, where it, it not only becomes immersive or, you know, not only do I be really get immersed, but my body gets attuned to that movement and, you know, just like the steady pace of walking every day, most of the day. And I just, I just, there's just nothing that feels better. It just yeah. feels fucking great. It, it, you know, I, yeah, it, it just leaves me wanting to just continue really. I don't really think I'm one of those people who's, you know, going to be like that kind of PCT hiker, though, where it's like thousands and thousands of miles where it's just your whole life. Um, <clears throat> but, um, yeah, that there, there's a subtle transformation in that attunement to movement where it becomes easy and the weight I'm, that I'm carrying, you know, 20, 25 pounds backpack or whatever just kind of disappears and i'm just like free to roam yeah <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah i mean what about you the connection between because for me that's like the physical spiritual connection that's like the body it goes right up you know that's the <laughs> yeah it's just so directly connected i mean how do you experience that I think it's it's very similar, um, if not the exact same. I mean, I I find that the happiest moments I can remember have been when I've been free of not free of responsibility, because you know there's responsibility to others that I'm hiking with, or responsibility yeah. to the environment, but free of kind of the the tethers that call you back. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've I've never done more than about a ten day. I take that back. I've never done more than a 10 day hike. I've done, um, back to our water discussion. I did 30 days on a kayak when I was in college. Uh, no, oh, wow. 
And that was mm -hmm. incredible because you're actually like moving yourself. Um, but um, but I find that mm -hmm. the times that I feel most connected and most alive are when I'm out walking, usually quite frankly by myself. I mean, my mm -hmm. like happy place is a yeah. seven hike, nobody else around. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Um, and I find that you know, when I am, when I'm like going to see a, a majestic, like a mountain or like a beautiful landscape, it's like, it's pretty to see, but it, it doesn't have that same effect as when I'm out moving and I feel yeah. connected to it. And, um, I had this one time, um, so I wasn't by myself and this was actually only a one day hike, but my wife and I went out and did a 10 hour hike in Yellowstone through the backcountry. Mm -hmm. We were attending on it, um, but we followed somebody, we followed a trail guide and then kind of went off on our own. And then we were out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, and there were these massive buffaloes and these uh, amazing hawks and eagles. And, um, and I remember when we got back, we were coming up the trail and this, I think, I think it was a hawk, if I remember correctly, um, this hawk had like stepped, stopped on a log right by the trail. And I had this moment where I just kind of lowered myself down and I looked at it and it looked at me and we just kind of stared at each other for like, wow, yeah. I told myself it was like 10 minutes. It was probably like 25 seconds total. Um, right. But I've never felt, mm -hmm. I've never felt the reality of like everything is connected in that same way before. And I think yeah. that's what nature does for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, man. That's, uh, I'm just kind of picturing you looking into the eyes of this, you know, this other person, this hawk, <laughs> this bird person, um, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I've talked about this a lot with other folks who spend a lot of time in the mountains and, and just in general, like for me, this, one of the things that teaches me too, and, you know, that I get to practice in that realm is wayfinding. And the physical wayfinding, you know, like footstep to footstep, but also over the course of the day and then also over the course of, you know, the several days or whatever, that is just so fundamentally fulfilling. You know, it's like fulfilling the purpose of, again, like the goat, you know, <laughs> like the, the animal exists to move through the landscape and doing so well you know it feels good it feels good and um you know finding the right way or the, the yeah the right way to move through the landscape finding where the food is or where the good campsite is you know it's very very rewarding to to learn to move well in the world and see then saying those words it becomes clear how that translates you know beyond the physical right because you know right mm -hmm. how rewarding it is to learn to move well in the world whether it's in your work or in your you know creative pursuit or, or whatever else and I, so i think that physical I mean, it's just good to have that experience, but also the physical wayfinding translates upwards into, you know, wayfinding in the world. Yeah. The thing that comes to mind for me when you say that is 
uh, is self-confidence. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. One of the things I'm most proud of is I'm fairly confident I can walk into any situation and identify what's going on pretty quickly, whether that's out mm-hmm. in the wilderness. You know, I um, I once what's the what's the massive national park in West Texas? Uh, Big Bend is that what you want? I don't I don't know Texas that well. I can't. When I lived in Texas, uh, there was a huge national park, and I remember mm-hmm. reading all sorts of guides about like. Do not go there without water. You'll never be able to survive. It's completely arid. Um, and some friends and I decided to just go for a weekend. And zero planning other than we put, packed a backpack and a couple of bottles of water. But we were mm-hmm. able to put water. We were able to survive. And just having that confidence both in the outdoors and in life that everything is figure outable if you know how to listen and look. Um, and yeah. Back to our earlier discussion about men that you know, there's not a lot of groups and institutions that are teaching that to young men right now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you, man. I mean that, you know, and it's, well, you know, there are, and they're not enough. That's for sure. And, you know, of course, like our, you know, what most of us do most of the time, you know, go to school and go to work doesn't teach a whole lot of that. Um, you know, or at least leaves a lot out. Um, and I, I absolutely agree that, you know, we need more of that for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I don't have kids myself and, you know, so I get to exist in my own sort of fantasy Island here where it's just all, all about me, but, um, you know, it has its downsides too. Um, um, yeah, yeah, we need we need more of that. Um, hmm, what? What to where to go from there? Um, I mean, I feel like we should you know, circle back to um, to our writing, you know, and what? Yeah. <clears throat> is there yeah what are you working on you know and is there kind of a a a project or a thread that you're following right now in your writing yeah and how do you do that um i mean the the last question how do i do that the answer is probably not not well (laughs) um there's a so i i have started sort of multiple times um a memoir, possibly a second memoir. Um, mm. I think they all center around they all center around this idea of spirituality that we've talked about and this idea of becoming mm. confident in the world. Um, and so I've started this a number of times and I started at a number of different angles. You know, one of the things I think is really interesting is um is we're in this kind of unique time and that machines are advancing so fast and not Mm -hmm. a lot of us have those um personal physical kinesthetic and almost somatic relationships to machines anymore we're Mm. we're everything other than our laptop and we don't really know how they work we don't really understand how our relationship is to them and so you see a lot of this i see a lot of it on substack of like there's two camps either you know, machines are going to save us and solve all of our problems or 
Um, you know, we need yeah. to basically like we need to remove machines from our lives and kind of back away. And, and I think there's so that hmm. was the first memoir I started working on was there's a more interesting story. Um, and then one of the things that I also got interested in, we talked about this a little bit, I, I recently started doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, mm -hmm. And um, it's both the physical aspect and interestingly enough, and I've written about this once, but I'm kind of changing my mind a little bit um, on my own personal relationship to it is this idea of, of violence and elegant violence. And I, I think there yeah. is something very primal about being able to conjure and control that violence. And I don't mm -hmm. mean like we should go out and hurt other people or do crimes, but do it in a setting where we are controlled and we we are learning about ourselves. And, and I found, you know, yeah. there's something really kind of almost spiritual and transcendent in that moment, which sounds crazy when you're getting choked out or <laughs> um, your arm is getting torn apart. But so mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm writing essentially those two ideas that are merging into one, which is this idea that spirituality is about more than what we do on Sunday at church or, you know, about even the books that we that we uh, read and um, the gods that we choose to believe in. I think spirituality is about how we, my own spirituality is how I, how I exist in the world and how I push myself to deepen it um, much more intentionally. Um, and so the reason I say not well is because trying to do that, trying to write that and trying to work on Substack and uh, taking a few different writing courses to continue developing myself craft wise, um, I always feel the tension that I'm letting one or many of them mm. know. Mm. <clears throat> well, there's there's plenty of time and we can't run out of words, luckily. So <laughs> yes. There's an unlimited yeah. supply, my friend. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. What what about you? I know so I mean you just mentioned you at least you've given your memoir to an editor to start working with. Um, and I know that was the original intention behind, uh, behind your sub stack. What, mm. what, is, uh, what projects are you continuing to work on or is there anything new coming in? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, well, let's see. Yeah. I mean, definitely the, a lot of the material that I've put out has been, um, work in progress, like chapters, um, from what became the the many the first the first draft so to speak the manuscript um, for a book length memoir, which is really what got me started writing was you know feeling like that's what I wanted to write to begin with, um, and so yeah now I'm working with um, with a guy named Dan Twain this um, uh, what do I mean this this month this fall um, to you know just like really have get another set of eyes on the material as a whole and um you know someone who's been around the block a few more times than i have and um so that's exciting and um <clears throat> that's definitely gonna result in some you know in, in a bunch of rewriting um and i still very much you know believe in like that 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 piece of work as a as a project um and so that's you know one main thread um and um 
you know, part of that is like a, oh, you just keep kind of putting the material back in the grinder, you know, of like, well, what is this really about? You know, what's the main thread of it, you know? Um, and, um, you know, because there are a bunch of different threads that run through it. There's, you know, my own like identity and masculinity and, and, and depression and addiction and um, love and money. Um, and um, so working on all that, <clears throat> um, and then, you know, in the meantime, I, I, I mean, I put, I, I, you know, I put something out every week and I, you know, it's kind of like what I feel to explore at the moment. Um, you know, right now I've got a little sort of personal series about change, um, that was kind of sparked by an exchange with uh, Donna MacArthur and just others too, just talking about you know, change and personal growth. And I'm also working on a piece that's like proving to be really challenging. Um, is a new, I don't really usually write fiction um, at all. And I was asked to submit or invited to submit, you know, to one of these Substack publications that kind of, you know, works kind of like a magazine. And yeah. what, what, you know, I said, yeah, great. I'd love to. And, you know, agreed to a date. And then like what came up, you know, what arose in me was, um, was like auto, you know, auto fiction to um, uh, explore some junctures in my own life, you know, that I've written about from a memoir point of view, but explore them, you know, kind of in an alternate you know, sort of a fictional departure. So whew, that is, uh, that's <laughs> proving to be a real, real challenge. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Um, yeah, so a bunch of different stuff, you know. Um, I'll, um, you know, as you wrote the material for the memoir, how much did that change from what your original idea was for it? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I don't really know. I guess it, I mean, it had, it, it, it just evolved as it, as it came out, you know, I, I, I didn't have like a complete vision um, from the, you know, at the start. Um, I think at the beginning, it felt like it was more of a kind of addiction and recovery story, um, you know, and then as I, just dug further into my own experience there um it was like okay well what's behind that it's that's not really the primary story um and 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 even and so then it became a story um about kind of developing a relationship with my self with my intuition and just with my with myself um and then more recently to kind of re probably reconceptualize it again you know again maybe around this nexus of like love and money um but you know they're just lenses you know to like look at the material through um so it's changed a lot and um yeah that's a big part of the like process for me and looking at something of that 
scale, like a book, it's like, it helps to have a lens, but then also, you know, the lens can, yeah, can totally shift. I don't know. It's kind of, kind of vague, but, um, but I love what you're saying about, I mean, just to like, we've, you know, to go back, you know, talking about machines and like <clears throat> jujitsu, um, Usually you got then you land you go back to spirituality and like what does that mean and I just wanted to say that um just like philosophy didn't really have much of a meaning to me early in life you know until I until a few things started to just kind of boil out as like relevant to me and I by things I mean just like little phrases like adventure doesn't happen by accident or you know fear is just a message or you know just ready enough you know these are all things that are just like little headlines from my own personal philosophy um spirituality is another one of these things it's just kind of like a general concept that you know i think people are often kind of like well what does that mean do you mean god or do you mean what you yeah. know and um you know, there's another guy on Substack who's really good with these boiling things down to like little checklists, kind of. Scott Britton, I've actually interviewed yeah. him on here as well. And um, um, I'm also kind of envious of his ability to boil things down, <laughs> little tiny little checklists. Now that I say that, but, um, you know, it's just like a sense of wholeness, you know, is one way that I think of spirituality or a spiritual outlook you know i also think of it in relation to love you know it's like i'm kind of you know at least on a good day i'm kind of in love with everything <laughs> you know like i don't know well maybe not my fucking iphone you know but <laughs> i mean this pen you know i like actually this you know, I like drinking coffee out of there or other things. I don't know, just everything, you know, the and that's a that feels like a spiritual thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, um there's another great thing that or a little turn of phrase that this author Sophie Strand, I think, kind of gave to me through her book, um, which I keep recommending to everybody. So if you haven't read um, have it. it's on my Amazon uh, her Amazon. book yet yeah I'll be interested to hear what you think about it but you know because you, you mentioned like well anyway she's like the gods so to speak you know are what if instead of praying to some god or gods you know what if you thought about it as praying as mm-hmm these different gods and of course gods you can call them gods you can call them archetypes you can call them examples role models heroes stories it's all the same thing patterns psychological patterns you know and that's what i mean by doing the goat work just to bring it back to that it's like i am praying as the goat yeah <laughs> as much as possible <laughs> But I got to get him up in the mountains more to do that. So, 
Yes. So, so maybe just like, there's a final question. Like, what are you praying as? Maybe instead of praying as, I would say praying, evolving into or praying into the mm -hmm. idea, the archetype of kind of the wise old man. You know, I, I wouldn't say whether it's Gandalf or, you know, wh whatever that archetype fits in your mind. I say Gandalf because I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. <laughs> awesome. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, yeah, yeah same thing. Exactly. <laughs> right. My kids love Star Wars. <laughs> a lot of that. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I like feel confident saying that's who I embody all the time, but mm -hmm. I feel pretty confident saying that archetype is how I'm designing my life. Um, mm -hmm. And when I pray in the world, uh, that's the archetype that I'm praying to become, um, mm -hmm. to nourish myself as. Um, that's my answer. What about you? What's your, I know you said the goat, is that? <laughs> well you know there there are many you know that's the thing it's not just one but i mean that that's one i don't know the name um or the it's being like fuzzier actually you know it's it's maybe it's it goes with it's not the goat you know the goat is like kind of solitary and in the mountains and knows how to butt heads well you know but then goes back to eating grass you know whereas like this other thing i'm getting at is 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 warmer and fuzzier and not so prickly and um you know is very is connected and is generous and welcoming yeah so whoever that is <laughs> if anyone has a name do we have any callers out there the 800 <laughs> number is on the screen if you if you know who this person is and you want to introduce them to me uh <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> well that feels like a good place to end you know unless you got something else that's popping up for you no i think that's um, great um i mean it's funny i'm looking back over the questions that we talked about and we kind of hit most of them without actually asking them i think um and so i think this is a great place to say thank you yeah well thank you Latham. it's it's great to great to see your face and uh and uh, talk to you some more and share some more of each other with the world here. And I uh, look forward to uh, working with you more in the future and to just seeing what, what comes from you, your writing. And uh, yeah, it's exciting, man. Stoked for you. Thank you. You too. And I'm grateful that we, our paths have crossed and continue to cross. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Right on brother. Cheers. Thanks again.